Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Lori Matthews, district supervisor at KPA, about the importance of job hazard assessments. And now, on to the interview. This is Jay Kumar, uh, editor of EHS Daily Advisor, and I'm joined today by Lori Matthews, district supervisor with KPA. How you doing, Lori? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, so, I want to talk today about job hazard assessments, but uh, first off, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself and, uh, and about KPA. Sure. So, yes, I am Lori. I am a risk management consultant and East District Team Supervisor with KPA. Um, not many people are familiar with KPA, but KPA is actually a very, pretty decent-sized company. We provide EHS and workforce compliance software and services to businesses. And those businesses range from automotive dealerships all the way to wineries. Um, through our software, which we call VVS or VeriSuite, um, we have um, on-site consulting services and training content, and we help our clients minimize risk that leaves them time and resources that they can focus on their core business instead. Uh, we have over 12,000 clients, 250 employees, and we service all 50 states, including, um, well, in addition to Puerto Rico. Personally, I have over 16 years experience in EHS. 11 of that is with KPA and five prior in distribution and light manufacturing, including ISO 14001 and the formerly known as the OSAS 18001. All right. Well, let's talk about job hazard assessments. So why are job hazard assessments so important to EHS programs? So I'm going to break it down really quickly first with something basic sure. for these. Um, when I have a new client, I usually um, walk in and ask them about their programs and ask them about their personal protection equipment. And usually they'll say things like, well, we make the employees wear safety glasses. And then my next question always is, why <laughs> and how did you how did you get there why do you make them wear safety glasses well you know and then they kind of stall a little bit so um osha is very basic uh broken down they just simply ask that employers make their workplace a safe environment for their employees right mm -hmm. um and but to do that they ask that work work the workplace or the employer assesses hazards in their workplace and then mitigate against those hazards. And sometimes they tell them how to do this with regulations and very specific things, but most times they kind of leave it up to the business to know their hazards and then mitigate against them. So what a job hazard assessment, or some people call them job safety analysis, are great for is capturing that assessment piece. And then on top of the assessment piece for the hazards, it's also additional information. It's a whole bunch of information in just one good form, one good space. Um, a job hazard assessment does all these things. It does, it forces management to look at the job and the tasks that are being done, the machines, uh, and they may find some hidden hazards that they didn't know were there. It gets employees involved in part of this process because you're going to watch them, and we'll talk about how to do one later, watch them do their job, and anytime you're watching an employee do their job, they're usually going to offer you suggestions too. So you're going to learn from your employees and get them involved. Um, it exposes the hazards, like I said before, that you may not knew were there or even some other exposures to the employee. 
Uh, it divides the job and the task and the machines into different steps. So at the same time, you could use these for orientation or for training purposes. It also divides the, um, the hazards themselves into how you prevented them. So back to OSHA, OSHA requires that we mitigate these hazards, but they want the hierarchy of controls. So they want it engineering and then administrative and then personal protection equipment. So now we're back to the safety glasses, right? Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> so we didn't, so we didn't, you know, we didn't do all those steps to get to the safety glasses, but they were supposed to engineer the control. I mean, engineer the hazard out, administer the hazard out, and then go to personal protection equipment. I had one client that actually spent a thousand dollars for machine, a machine guard assessment. They brought in an outside consultant to do a machine guard assessment about a thousand bucks and if they would have just done their job hazard assessments on each of the pieces of equipment they had they would have saved themselves a thousand dollars because it would have shown them where the hazards were right um yeah so then the last resort of course is then make your employees wear safety glasses so that's where we get the personal protection equipment but a job hazard assessment does all those things um and on top of that if you're one of those places that have to show continuous improvement, you actually can use the job hazard assessment for that as well. So basically it documents exposures, documents your hazard. It can be a training tool. It can be a machine guarding tool. It can also be a continual improvement process. So it's all those things in one form. It's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. That's why I like them so much. <laughs> how how often should businesses be doing these? Uh, well, they should do them initially anytime there's a new task brought online or a new piece of machinery brought online. Um, one of my clients, every time they get a new piece of machinery, they actually do one of these job hazard assessments for that machine. And then about every two years, we review them as well. So, because you're gonna have new tasks that are involved, new employees that have to go through the orientation with, you know, knowing the hazards of where they're working, so you use these things. Um, and you review them like in your safety committee meetings and things like that. So, it's an ongoing process. The beginning part's a little tedious because you have to decide <laughs> what tasks you're going to do this for, what machines you're going to do it for, and, you know, you may have a lot of those in the initial part, but the upkeep or the maintenance of them is not as terrible as it sounds. Right. I can imagine if you're a large place of operation, you've probably got a lot of machines and a lot of tasks. So initially, that might, that might be a lot to do. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we do it one step at a time. You're not going to get them all done the first week you're there. So, yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> so what goes into it? Conducting a hazard assessment, how, how should they do it properly? So basically, there's a lot of times I've gone into manufacturing clients and um, asked for, you know, how, where's your assessment? Where's your assessment for hazards? Hey, where's your OSHA 300 log? Let's see what hazards you've had that's gotten people injured. And you'd be surprised at how many don't do this. <laughs> mm. But they're actually pretty easy to do. Um, I actually have a form that I do give to clients. Um, it's a very easy Word document. It kind of expands the cells that they make notes. Um, but there's about five steps to completing a job hazard assessment. Um, the first is to, and we talked about this a minute ago, select the task, 
select the machine, select the job, right? So a lot of manufacturers will actually start with the machine. Um, when I'm a, when I'm with a client, I will usually start them off by conducting one together. Um, so of course, there's the entire management team surrounding an employee while he's trying to do his job. <laughs> I'm sure it can be rather baffling, but you know we do do one together so that I can show them how it's done. But you're going to select the task, select the machine, select the job, and then if you don't know where to start with that. The other best bet is to actually look at your accident injury report and maybe start with those, you know, where you're going to actually eliminate the most hazards because it's causing you the most problems. So, so the second, third, and fourth step is to basically watch the employee performing the job, working with the machine. So number two then is to divide those steps um, in sequential order. Well, how's the person doing their job? There's certain steps to this. 10 is a really good number for this. If they go over 10, you might want two different job hazard assessments, you know, because because otherwise the document starts looking really messy and big. Um, you're going to put it in sequential order of how it was, how the job's being done. Um, and don't miss, don't forget a step. I mean, sometimes when you're doing like CNC machines, you know, they have to lift some of these things to the machine. Don't forget that step either, because that could possibly be a strain, a slip, trip, fall. So we're going to keep all the steps kind of in mind. Um, while you're watching them, you are going to analyze um, what you're watching. Um, last, ask a lot of questions about it. Um, Sometimes you may have to ask them more than once to perform the job. It's not, it's not going to take just one watching the job. Um, a lot of times I ask a lot of questions when I'm with them and they're working. I'm sure some of them appreciate that. Probably some of them don't appreciate that, maybe. Um, but, you know, when you start talking to them, you're going to analyze the job. Um, but also, too, they're probably going to give you some suggestions while you're standing there, too, about what their concerns are. Mm -hmm. And that kind of leads us to step four, which is you are looking for all, all the potential hazards. And this means all of them. Okay, so not the very obvious ones, because they've probably already been mitigated against, you know. Right. But, you know, can, can clothing get caught in this machine? Um, you may have some older machines that are missing some machine cards because they just were not manufactured with them. Um, contact hazards for the employee. Look for housekeeping around the area, around the task being done. Um, slip, trip, fall hazards. Body movements that the employee is making. Um, you know, ergonomic issues and strains. Um, any excessive noises they could be exposed to. Um, exposure to even dust and fumes. So you're looking for all the hazards as you're analyzing what they're doing. And then the very last step, it's number five, is to then establish prevention. So when we were talking about the safety glasses again, that is where employers jump to. They part, jump to number five, which is <laughs> how we prevent it, instead of actually taking it step by step as to how we got there. So um, you know, obviously we use the hierarchy of controls we talked about before. Um, this is always a good discussion in your safety committee meetings, too, is to take what you learn and then how do we prevent it and to get your employees involved with some ideas, too. Um, I've, like I said before, I have a really simple form I use with clients. I usually do the very first one with them. 
we have a success story with one of these if you want to hear that. Yeah, sure. So I have a client who is, um, they do mainly, they manufacture valves. Um, and they actually have a mechanical polishing area where that's what they do. These employees sit there at their workstations and they hand polish any burrs or anything like that out of these valves um, for eight hours a day. <laughs> so when I came in, my very first time looking at their OSHA log, they had like 10 ergonomic injuries on their OSHA log. I mean, they were, it was just killing them, the amount of ergonomic injuries they had. So one of my very first visits, that's where we focused on. So we just watched the polishers. That's all we did for almost four hours was watch the polishers and did a job hazard assessment. So by the time we were done with all this, we ended up with, we reduced the noise because they got them some new tools, new tools for less vibration, right? Mm -hmm. We changed their workstation so that they were sitting properly um, for ergonomic reasons. We gave them better ventilation. We, um, there was less strain on their arms. I conducted an ergonomics training, um, which now we do yearly. Uh, I also wrote an ergonomics policy. And, um, and of course, last resort, we did buy any vibration wearing gloves and make sure that they were wearing their hearing protection properly, right? Mm -hmm. But um, they went from having that many serious in one year, and it was mainly hand and arm injuries, to having zero on the next year's wow. OSHA log. And to this day, I think we've had maybe only two or three now. So, yeah. So they do work, is basically yeah, yeah. what I'm saying. Initially, you're going to spend the money to repair and mitigate some of this stuff, because obviously they did, some new tools, new workstations. But in the long run, let's really think about how much money they saved with injuries and accidents, right? Um, so they are very successful if you take your time, you do them correctly, you get your folks involved, and you're really honest with yourself, too. Um, are you surprised that more businesses don't do these assessments? Yes. <laughs> That's a short answer. Yeah. Yes, I'm very surprised. Because it's the first thing, if I walk into a manufacturing client's place I, for the first time that's the first thing I asked for because it tells me everything I need to know um, the, the thing is is that they are not required by regulations mm -hmm. right so it's it's just a very good tool to use but it's not something that OSHA requires OSHA has said that they like them but there's just you know if you're going strict by regulatory requirements right. they're not required so so I guess I am surprised but I'm not surprised too at the same time, it depends. It kind of depends on how advanced somebody's EHS program is, too, when I walk in the door. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, you know, do the bare minimum to meet the meet the requirements. But, <laughs> you know, obviously, yeah. you could do a better job of meeting the requirements if you went the extra step and right. did the assessment. Oh, um, yeah, because these take time. I'm, you know, obviously, they take time and they take effort. And, you know, I... I lived in the world where production butted up against safety all the time. So right. I, I understand that world, yes. Um, I mean, are you, do you think the, the message is getting across, though, when you, you know, kind of explain the benefit that, that can come from, from doing assessments? 
Oh, absolutely. With my clients, they totally understand it, especially walking through them the first time with it, you know, and then, and then obviously my one client that saw the reduction in their injuries, mm-hmm. you know, at first you're kind of like, wow, this is a lot of work. We're going to spend some money. But now, you know, a couple of years later, they understood that, hey, this really saved us money. It saved us. It saved the workforce. The workforce is happier. Um, so sometimes there's the long-term positive for a little bit short-term pain, but right, um, right. usually when they call, yeah, when they call us in, though, they're already asking for some extra assistance anyway with their EHS programs. What are some other areas of concern that you've noticed uh, in EHS programs as you've you know gone around the country? Um, well, the job hazard assessments do address a lot of those concerns, but mm-hmm. um, it still amazes me. <laughs> that I will walk into a car dealership and watch the technicians and they're under the cars without their safety glasses. So PPE is always the big deal with me um, because it is last resort for Moshe, right? It's the last resort and we totally depend on our employees to wear it and wear it right. Um, But that is always my, I just sometimes do not understand it still to this day. But um, so PPE use, Hazard communication, always, always, always. Mm-hmm. Um, most violated standards in any industry. You know, I can always find something not labeled. I can always find the employee that has no idea what a safety data sheet is and does not know where to find it. Um, I will put a little plug in for KPA. Ours is all online for the client, and they can actually get it by their cell phone. So there you go. Um, <laughs> so, and slip, trips, and falls. Fall yeah. protection, that's a big one with OSHA. You know, OSHA's top 10 does not really change from year to year. It just kind of they change places. Right. Obviously, the big one currently is COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So there is a national emphasis program right now that um, OSHA put out in July, and I think they updated it in August. And, you know, if your NAICS is on that targeted industry appendix a osha can walk in at any point in time under that emphasis program um and check your covid protocols so um so you know unfortunately then safety managers then had to add hazardous you know a new hazard to their list of hazards and that was infectious diseases so (laughs) that's kind of those are kind of the big ones but covid obviously has been the biggest one well speaking of covid how have you seen COVID affect workplace safety in general? Um, yeah, obviously there's been a huge focus on COVID itself, like have other things sort of slipped through the cracks while people are really focusing on, you know, the, the coronavirus? I, I think some things have slipped. Um, again, there's the OSHA targeted emphasis program going on. So, um, and we had to, as safety professionals kind of realize there's an infectious disease program we kind of need to put into place and put it on our list of hazards. Um, I know that there are some states, and I kind of depends on where you are in the country, mm-hmm. where you know they had to actually create plans that are written and documented plans. I know in Virginia, KPA wrote a ton of plans um, that they were required to have by the Board of Health um, for COVID. So that was kind of a, a big change. Um, logistically, well. We couldn't do on-site training, obviously, because you don't want to pull all the employees into one big room. Um, So it kind of forced the employees to use 
other ways of training. So believe it or not, for us, the benefit was our our clients started using our on-site or online training mm -hmm. much more. Yeah. <laughs> that was one benefit for us. Yeah. So, and actually I love a well-trained workforce. So there you go. Um, the other thing too, a lot of your safety committee meetings and just meetings in general where you're discussing any safety issues or you would be reviewing the JHA just didn't happen because we're not going to again, put everybody in one room. We're trying to socially distance. Um, so that was kind of employee complaints increased to OSHA too. I know mm -hmm. that just in the state of Georgia here, it got to the point where OSHA was sending out form letters and we wouldn't even have to reply to a complaint anymore. They have to follow up on every complaint that they get, but they <laughs> were just bombarded with so many employee complaints wow. that they were sending out form letters last year. Um, so that kind of, I can see the change with the pandemic. It's a little harder. But, um, you know, we try to make it as easy as possible for people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've, you've been in the field for quite a while. How have you seen uh, EHS evolve over that time? Uh, is it getting better in terms of just attention to detail, uh, you know, since from when you started? Um. <laughs> or not maybe it's not I, I think there's more there's more there's more things that we can use as resources which is great you know I always tell everybody you know when I was doing this for five years prior with KPA um, I wish I would have had our system <laughs> because, <laughs> because it would have made my life easier you know with everything being online now and like I said before safety data sheets can be pulled up with your phone most places have an electronic system for that now um, you know, training is online. Right. I think we've tried to make it easier. Now, are people actually accessing it? That's where the problem right, starts, right, yeah. you know, so, yeah. A lot more resources, for the, right? So. A lot more resources available, but, you know, I'm still still amazed every single day at some of the stuff <laughs> I see out in the field. And some, you know, we, we still have amputations at some manufacturing places. And to me, that's just wrong. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, there's still some work to be done, I think. Well, hopefully uh, things will, will, will continue to get better, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think once that you actually show somebody the cost benefit of having a very thriving safety system, um, and that includes even doing like going back to the job hazard assessments again. Yes, you're going to invest in some preventive measures, but if you can show somebody the long run benefit, especially money, because money talks, right. um, you know, if you have a safe environment, you're going to be more profitable. I promise you, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just showing people that. Um, and sometimes you get the buy in then. Right. Well, Lori, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Good. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. That wraps up episode 85 of EHS on tap. You can find more information about the show and listen on demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon music, Google play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And I hope you join me next time.